The following podcast contains potentially massive spoilers for the movie referenced in the episode title. If you have not yet seen this movie and wish to be surprised when you do, consider yourself warned and turn back now. Hey there, guys. This is John wearing his editor's hat. Uh, Just going to let you know, at several points during our discussion here of Night of the Demons, I, for whatever reason, kept confusing Steve Johnson, special effects makeup artist, apparently with Kevin Tinney, the director, because I call Steve Johnson Kevin more than once. Just to clarify, I do know his name. This was the second episode we recorded in the same day, and, well, okay. I'm old. I really have no excuse. I just wanted to let everyone know I do know the difference. Enjoy the episode. Hello and happy Halloween. Welcome to a special edition episode of Schlock Till You Drop, our Halloween special. Spooky. Our first ever Halloween special. Um, For tonight. We couldn't have picked a worse movie. (laughs) Yes, we could have. Yes, we could have. (laughs) I have a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple on the list that I think are going to be worse. But we went with one that is a cult classic. Um, We are going to take Remake off the table because it has been remade. (laughs) Uh, So when we get to the end, we'll just decide if this one stands up or fades away. I am already seeing a a precursor to what that decision is going to be. But uh, we took care of 1988, the original... Night of the Demons. Yay. <laughs> uh, now, this one does have some uh, some decent names for 80s horror in it. You've got Linnea Quigley. You've got Mimi Kincaid. You've got Hal Havens. Uh, Kathy Podwell, who right. went on to uh, soap operas, you know, primetime soaps and things like that. So you've got some decent names at the onset. Uh, Kevin Tinney is a director. Right. You know, yeah. he still does a lot of good stuff. Uh, Kevin Johnson did the special makeup effects and uh, fun trivia. After working together on this movie, he and Linnea Quigley got married. Congratulations to them. Good for them. Well, it didn't last. They're yeah. no longer married, but. Uh, Aww. <laughs> yeah. I got a response to that. Yeah. But, uh, but good for them for however long it did last. They played the odds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, this is. One of my favorite bad movies. <laughs> I will say that. I, I make no arguments that it is good by any stretch of the imagination. But it's fun. And you know it's going to be fun when you start off with that animated cartoon intro. Oh, yeah, that was great. With the, with the 80s synth yeah, over it. Love the music. The music to the whole thing is good. Yeah. yeah. The music. It, it's, it's 1988. Metal's in its heyday. So you get a pure heavy metal soundtrack for this. Which I loved. And they're original songs. They're not licensed from any band. These were originals right, right. for the movie. So, But the movie is unashamed that it's a horror movie. Oh, God. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that That's the thing I love about it is that it just doesn't. It's unapologetic. It doesn't care. It, it really doesn't care. <laughs> no. No. It knows what it is. It knows the tropes that it's going to follow. And it kind of uses them as a checklist. Yeah. <laughs> you can see them checking it off. How many tropes did it do for yeah. it? Oh, it Jesus. Just I mean, for the house itself? Pretty yeah. much. And the house covers every haunted house 
trope. Trope. Yeah. It could be mid mid movie exposition check, early movie exposition yeah. check, boobies, Late movie exposition check. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's look at Hull House. Let's look at the house itself. It was a funeral home. Right. Yep. The mortician was into necrophilia. Right. Yep. Uh, it was on an ancient Indian burial ground or sort some kind of, of yeah, cursed kind of like Indian Wendigo land. Thing yeah, going on there. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So you've got the Indian legend. Uh, the terror, the horror starts in the basement. Mm. Yep. Um, the doors shut and lock themselves multiple times. Multiple times. There's a mirror involved. There's a mirror involved. And the fire sounds. goes up yeah. whenever the bad shit happens. Yep. I mean, yeah, you're taking off just about every haunted house trope here. They're not ghosts because ghosts are things that were once alive. These are dead and pure evil. Pure These evil. never existed in human form. They are demons. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was the case. When, like when that demon was having sex with one dude, wouldn't they be like, whoa, this is new? <laughs> uh, There's a lot of TNA in this movie. For, for which I am very proud. Yeah, I'm I think I think you're overthinking it there. That was just for pure TNA. So. I mean, yeah. I I kept asking questions about certain things, and you, I kept Joe kept saying, "This is a bad movie. Stop trying to it's question a, yeah. the plot." Yeah, yeah the quick, plot is just a non. A it's non all over the place. I will have to give a little credit to the remake on this one. Uh, I'm I'm not I'm trying not to talk about the remake too much. Right, because we'll probably plot, do it at some point. Yeah, yeah, when you talk about plot, though, you kind of have to on this because this is one where the remake actually did the plot better. Yeah. There was actually was a plot. There was a reason these things were happening beyond just let's put a bunch of kids in a house and kill them. Yeah. I mean, this is just a horror movie. This is just an eighties horror movie that was happy to be a horror movie. Knew it was, it, it was, didn't aspire to be anything else. No, it was very yeah. self-aware. I feel like, you know, yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, Especially concerning the uh, you know the old man and the wife plot there it, it, the the bookend it, it, yeah the bookends uh, the, they knew that they were in a horror movie because oh, yeah. of the, the things they just had to do we had to do these things yeah well and like like we said when we when that that last scene plays out you know I I remembered that scene but it felt like it was in a different movie because it is so different from everything else right yeah. that's in the middle and like Joe pointed out it's it's that Twilight or not Twilight it's on Tales from the Crypt yeah. Uh, get the comeuppance right, at the yeah, end yeah, yeah. kind of things. but Or House of Mysteries from DC Yeah, something Comics. like that, yeah. yeah. Just something, though, very random out there. But, yeah, <laughs> everything that you watched was this movie going, meh, I'm going to give you some blood. I'm going to give you some demons. I'm going to give you some TNA. That's all you're really getting out of me. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, there's all those things. You're welcome. You got that. And that's about it. You want plot? Nah, it's not there. You want some acting? <laughs> nope. All right, so we've established <laughs> stories not there. Yeah, let's 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 look at the acting. There were a couple of okay performances. I Please said okay. Explain. I want you to explain that for me. <laughs> okay, I'm separating, but let me preface this for you, Mario. There I am go. separating script from performance. I. All right. Um, Mimi Kincaid actually does a decent job as Angela. Okay. Um, I like her flash dance moment. Yeah, that I, I believe, if I remember correctly, she was a dancer. Oh, so that okay. was, you know, something that was right up her alley to do. Um, Linnea Quigley, we've talked about it in Sorority Babe. She gives the same performance in every movie she gives. Pretty much. If you're watching a movie with Linnea Quigley in it, you know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I'm not going to fault her for that because that that's her shtick. Mm-hmm. That's her thing. Yeah, I like her. I mean, it's hard to not like her. Yeah, it is really hard to to not like her. And the uh, we made the joke that she died off screen because her acting was so bad. But the one chick in the toga wasn't terrible. Not no, as no, terrible as some of the others. No, she wasn't bad. She wasn't bad compared to the others. She was just... Yeah, it's just very random. I wish I could remember died. the actress's name. Yeah, That's, I do too. Uh, I now do the Rocky clone, yeah, Sal, <laughs> was just well. He's just like he's the bad boy biker greaser, stereotypical yeah. Italian bad boy. Yeah, yeah, that, and oh boy, did they play the stereotype Whew. up to an almost racist quality. Yeah, well, and uh, the poor black guy, man, the part they gave him was just in, it was hard to watch. Sometimes. It was really hard to watch. Okay. All right. So I will give kudos to this because this is one of the things I've always said about a lot of horror movies. When I go, why is it there's never someone that says, fuck this, I'm out. This right. is my ongoing thing in old stories. There should be that one person that says, fuck it, I'm out. He right. does that. He does that immediately. And he tries to leave. The house locks him in, whatever. But he tries to leave. Then he gets in the car and falls asleep. I'm not going to even touch that yeah, bullshit, yeah. but all right. <laughs> Getting in the car and locking himself in with no other options, that wasn't a bad no, idea. No, that wasn't a bad idea. Falling asleep while he's in there and there are demons about, yeah, okay, I'll grant you that one. <laughs> that was dumb. And then the virgin chick? I think the implication is, yes, she was a virgin. And the way she was talking, she was like, no, I didn't do nothing. Oh, oh no, we just went on one date. Did she do anything on that date? That's none of your business. Why don't you just say no and move on? It'd that character is played from the go as a virgin, though. Yeah. Let's be real. She's supposed to be the pure, innocent thing, which they kind of screw up because they give you an ass shot and a boob shot of her right out of the gate. Right. Yeah. So with her brother ogling her. Yeah. Yeah, that was creepy. Yeah, it's a little creepy. That yeah. Creepy. I don't. I got. I don't know. I got. Yeah. I got nothing but chat. Now, and yeah, the black guy he does have moments at the beginning. Where he's doing the right things. Like right. you said, he's, he's like, fuck this, I'm out. He runs, he tries to escape, he hides. And to his credit, the tenacious little fucker makes it to the end. This is true. Even though he's a simpering, whimpering coward. By the end of the movie. Oh, I, so bad. I will touch on that in a moment, but I will go ahead and give this movie props on that. Uh, actually, I'll give this movie props on something that a lot of these movies don't do. And it has uh, more minorities in there than normal. Yeah, the, we you mentioned the cast here is very diverse. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you've got a lot of white bread in there. Yeah, I mean, expect that. From but the you've days, also got an Asian chick and a black guy. Yeah, and the Italian. Yeah, you <laughs> mean you've almost got the Power Rangers. I mean, you're <laughs> damn near. I mean, all we need was an Indian guy. We'd be there. Yeah, it's morphin yeah. time. Yeah, and even somebody we're pretty sure was Greek. Mm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> half Greek. <laughs> uh, the half we want. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> <Jesus> <laughs> <Joe>. <laughs> you're welcome. But yeah, the cat in, in in all seriousness, the cast was very diverse, and yes. for 1988, that is really surprising. Correct. And again, just touching on the remake, from my memory, they whitewashed it. the <laughs> The minority characters are not there in the remake. I don't remember them being in there. Uh, so that's that's kind of unusual. As well, and gives, I guess, makes this a little bit more special in that aspect, yeah. in yeah. that you have, for the first time, an 80s horror movie that with a diverse cast, and the remake ignores it. It's right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, 
I, I, I like that. I, I'm glad that they did. They brought diversity in there. I mean, everyone, everybody dies except for the virgin and the black guy, which right. again was very surprising because I really kept expecting. Well, the virgin surviving is is well, yeah, that's, that's the, the trope. trope. Yeah, but the I, black guy making it through that is yeah. Usually they're one of the first to go. Another notable example is Hatchet, where the black guy makes it almost to the end. Right, but he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he turns and he winds up being a hero at the end, mm-hmm. you know, pulling her over the wall, saving her life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, overcoming his fear. Yeah, his, he had a decent role. It was just the characterization they gave him. Yeah, I don't they, know if it was just the choices he made as an actor, or if, the, if it was the direction he I was bet given. His direction. I, I'll put money. In his there direction. were a lot of things in this movie that I think were purposefully hokey direction. Yeah. But again, it's that self-aware nature of it knew what it was and wasn't trying to elevate itself above that. No, I yeah. get that, but I mean, there's only a point to where, like the scene in the boiler room where the 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 version and the the guy gets the black guy gets into the the boiler room and then like he breaks down and starts fucking sobbing and it's just like Jesus Christ, dude, fucking not up. Yeah, yeah. And she <laughs> she whips out a Chekhov cigarette lighter, yeah. and goes to town on some demons. And I mean, power. Which props. Women in power, that's great, but come on, man, don't, don't, don't just, don't just do that just cause. <laughs> well, it's not even a just cause. I mean, this guy has been giving everything he's got to escaping. True. Longer than than everybody than, else than everybody else in the movie. Right. There's gonna come a point where the tension and the stress and everything like that is gonna just break you down, and him breaking down in tears was fitting. I feel like you're giving this movie way too much credit for that. <laughs> I think so, too. I think you're just I, justified. <laughs> I, no, I'm saying the situation isn't that unusual. However, that situation having, very unusual. having said that... <laughs> House full of demons? I mean, having, yeah, last Tuesday, in fact, right? I got stuck right. in one of those. Having <laughs> said that, I will concede that I doubt the writers, directors, or anyone involved in this movie were forward-thinking enough to accept... Men can cry and have their problems too. Yeah, I, mean, I, I have no qualms with him crying. I don't have a problem with what happened in the scene so much as how the scene was presented. Exactly. Yeah. That's my issue. Okay. It's there not we, the there, fact that he broke go. down. It's the fact of how it was shown. Okay. It literally showed him, and I hate. It literally showed him become a bitch mm-hmm. for like two minutes instead of like you know. And then afterwards, not stepping back up until the very end where he had to climb back over a wall and pick up the white girl. And I, I, I hate to put it out like that, but it's what it felt like. It just felt like they made But it. he did fulfill your fucking I'm out rule when he decided oh, he to totally jump out did. the damn window. Totally. Oh, my God. That was great. <laughs> Again, the be- he has the best fucking scene. <laughs> He's like, fuck it. And like they're just sitting there. He's like, fuck this. It just jumps out the window, leaves, every- leaves the chick there. She's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, she's kind of paralyzed in fear, and he's like, "Nope, not getting me yeah. <laughs> out the window." Yeah, and, and Joe's right. That was a opt, opt. That was a great kill miss opportunity. When he sits up, he's like, "I'm not dead." Yeah, <laughs> and something should have came up to kill them. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy he survived. But it would have been hilarious. But it'd been great. It would have been. It yeah, it'd been hilarious. If they'd done that. Yeah. So, uh, well, we mentioned Steve Johnson, Kevin Johnson right. earlier. Right. So let's talk about the makeup effects here. Okay. Um. I thought the makeup was pretty well done. The demons were creepy as hell. Yeah. Mm. Um, especially their their mid transformation stuff, where it was more subtle. Right. Um, kind of like with the, where they did with the Army of Darkness, and just kind right. of enhanced Bruce Campbell's features right. for the 
the beginnings of Evil Ash, mm. and this is the same thing. They kind of just t- took the features that were there and enhanced or warped or whatever to create that mid-stage. And then the actual demon transformations looked pretty good, too. But, mm-hmm. of course, we're... We're at the height of prosthetics and practical right, yeah, right. effects. This is the yeah, this is where Fangoria you know, rules Fangoria the world. Gore yeah. Zone, yeah. yeah. They, this was their heyday, mm-hmm. and you know where the the makeup effects artists started becoming superstars in their own right. Yeah. right. Which is where this movie gets its cult status is from. From, from the, absolutely, like it's that. from the makeup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Angela becomes an iconic killer along the lines of Freddy and Jason. In fact, the posters for this one. Uh, even mentioned that uh, Freddie and Jason and Michael are all invited, but they're too afraid to come. Right. <laughs> you know, it, that was one of the marketing ploys that they used was to poke at the other horror icons at the time. And it worked for him. It helped to, to mm. make Angela iconic enough that the second movie was tolerable. And the third is almost universally panned because she's not she's in not it. In it right. Well, there, I think she's in it, but it's not Mimi Kincaid anymore. It's somebody else. It's somebody else. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, so it, it's, yeah, it, the makeup is where this movie really shines. And you don't get tons of blood and guts, but what you do get is effective. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know it sounds like we're ragging on the movie, but we like this movie. Oh, I enjoy oh yeah, it. yeah. I yeah. still enjoy I mean, it as much as I might. We like all it. know it, but we have to do this. We must. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, in the podcast, we're nothing but real with the things that we love. And, oh, exactly. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I, You can love something and still be able to tear it apart and oh. see its flaws. And, and a lot of times... Honestly, a lot of times the flaws are what make you love it. Oh, right, yeah. So, Well, this movie is corny, it's campy, it's cheesy, and I've probably, yeah, yeah I've seen it many times. So oh, I, I can't. All, all of us have. Yeah, so. I, I, yeah, I can't count how many times I've seen this movie. And we mentioned the makeup, but we do have to mention the one very, very iconic, memorable scene with the, lipstick. Yep. Oh, oh, okay, I was like... The, the, the snooze snooze thing? But okay, yeah. No, 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 it's the lipstick scene. <laughs> the lipstick scene. The lipstick okay. scene. And that is where uh, Johnson really shines, mm-hmm. I think, in showing his makeup capabilities. Yeah, full prosthetic chest. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's great. It, it flows so well that you almost don't notice it when they cut back to Linnea Quigley's actual body. Right. right. And the the editing and the flow and everything about how they do that one scene is so perfect. Um, I mean, I can't, I don't know if – I think at the time that was all foam latex stuff, but that almost acts like silicone skin. Yeah. The yeah, way that it, looks good. it goes. So, I mean, it's – if you're over 18, be sure to check it out for that scene alone because, the, like I said, and just ignore the the gratuitous boob shot. And just look at the technique that went into the makeup and, right. and the the practical effect that's on display there. Yeah, yeah, it's flawless. Flawless scene, the lipstick hiding and all that stuff. Just great. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, get final thoughts and then let's take a vote on it here. Uh, Joe, why don't you go ahead and start us off? I mean, what's to say? It's a classic. Um it holds up pretty good. I mean, for what it is, it's tropey, tropey, tropey. Yeah. I mean, you gotta love it just for that. Oh yeah, it, it is unafraid of of being tropey. Mario, what do you think? It is full of tropes. It is has a lot of TNA. It has bad acting. 
but it's an enjoyable film. There's a reason why it's a cult, a cult film, and you can see it by just watching it. It's understandable. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I'm I will unashamedly admit I have the uh, 30th anniversary edition Blu-ray of this. <laughs> of course you do. Uh, with all the special features, and if you want to buy this movie, I strongly advise to get it in that because the right. special features are awesome. There's a retrospective from, you know, most of the cast talking about getting cast and making the movie and things like that. And you can kind of see on screen, they were having a ball making it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you watch that behind the scenes footage, they were absolutely having a ball making this movie. <laughs> and, uh, just throw it, it, that's the way you want to watch it and, and see it with all of that in the background. Um, you know, this is one of the first movies that I remember latching on to uh, when I was growing up and, and getting into these things. And I just found it, like we mentioned, through Fangoria and Gorezone. And I saw where they were showing pictures of it, you know, getting ready to come out. And when I finally found it in the video store, I was like, oh, yes, finally. And then I watched it and I was like, yes, that was awesome. You know what? You would have had to have been 12 or 13 or something like that, right? Uh, 88, I'd have been 13. Yeah, the perfect age for this movie. Yeah, yeah. This 13-year-old boy, this is, that's, you know, they won't admit it, but that's who this movie's targeted to. Mm-hmm. But. I mean, it, I'm a little unusual, though, because I watched weird-ass shit from the time I was six years old. You know, so... But, yeah, this this was one of those that I latched onto immediately, and it was one that I felt... I think I felt connected to it because of Fangoria. Right. And because I got to see the pre-production stuff that was in there, or production level. They don't do pre-production really in there, but the, the production stuff from the set in Fangoria and interviews with with the with Kevin Tinney and with uh, uh, Kevin Johnson and, and Linnea Quigley and I think even Mimi, I think even Mimi Kincaid did an interview with him, but I got to feel connected to the movie because of that. And, you know, like Lombardo had talked about in his interview that we did with him, when the filmmakers connect with the fans, you feel more connected to the movie. Well, yeah, you you have ownership of it. Yeah, and I think that was one of the things that helped as well make this a cult classic. Right. It hits every trope. It is hilariously corny. Yes. Eat a bowl of fuck. I'm here to party. I mean, <laughs> right. what kind of freaking dialogue is that? Yeah. Watch and, this movie with friends. Yeah. It's a room and for that friends. matter, what yeah. is a bowl of fuck? Let's, <laughs> right. let's, you know, I've wondered about this one for 30 years. Is what it a the bowl made of fuck? Is the bowl full of fuck? The line is, eat a bowl of fuck, I'm here to party. So I have no idea. I don't think he even knows. And I think that was an improv line, if I remember correctly. So <laughs> It's a good one. It, yeah. it is. It is what, it's the line this movie gets remembered for more often than not. But, uh, yeah, so I think it's, it, it's a special one. So, uh, like I said, we're not going to say remake because it's already been remade, and we'll – We'll probably do a remake special at some point and talk about that. And, There's a good chance, yeah. And and uh, do a, you know do the the Evil Dead remake and it, right. some remakes that are worthy of their status as remakes, right. as opposed to remakes that were worse than the original. I, don't know. I think we should still do Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street, even though that they're not they're kind of universally panned. Actually, those have a following of their own. Yeah, so but I I didn't hate them. I didn't either. But anyway, so we'll probably tackle all that in there. So uh, let's go ahead. Uh, Mario, you 
you go first on this one. You think this one stands up, or should it just should people not hold it in cult status? Should they just let it go? I think that this is one of those movies that, that it's understandable why it's cult status. So I think it should stay in cult status. They people should use this as something to. <laughs> something to look towards and be like, well, if I decide to make a movie and I want to make it somewhat hokey, let's use this as a template. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It might be kind of like with Hatchet and some other commentaries, you know, it might be a good one to listen to the commentary track and exactly. see, see why some of the choices that were made were made and things like that. Okay. Joe, what about you? This movie ain't going anywhere. <laughs> we all It's a moot point. Everyone knows this movie. I Anyone listening to this podcast knows this movie. I will agree true. with that. So come on. All right, yeah, and I agree with that too. This this movie has attained cult status. You know, if you ask, does it deserve it? Absolutely. Because for the time period it came out, it did everything right for what it was trying to do and made it look easy. And, I mean, how many movies are on our list that we have already watched or will be watching in the future that we've seen before tried to do what this movie has done and failed miserably. Right. What was that movie you made us watch the other Yeah, week? that Buffy clone that yeah, was the awful. The hazing. Yeah, yeah the hazing. hazing. Oh, my God. It's the same movie. Yeah. But it is literally the same movie. Yeah, but done <laughs> awfully, much, much yeah. worse. They yeah. tried to give it a plot. And interestingly, the remake uses a similar plot device. Right. But does it Yeah, they do a little bit better. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, this movie has earned a cult status for a reason. It and it's going to keep it, and it's well deserved that it should. They're not, you know, I don't see a 30th anniversary edition of Sorority Babes. Right, right. I mean, I, that's all I'm going to say. And, you know, <laughs> that tells you something right there. Mm-hmm. So, all right, folks. Well, that is now two episodes you have gotten from us this month. You should feel privileged uh, since we've gone monthly, and immediately do two months where we release two We're so episodes weird. a month. We are monthly, I swear to you. And after the holidays, you'll see that. But, you know, because we're going to have a Christmas special. Of course. Yeah, and Murderous Pilgrims from from the Mayflower. We have to do that. (laughs) I don't think that's a movie. (laughs) I was thinking Poultrygeist, maybe. Poultrygeist, absolutely. So we might do a a Thanksgiving special. We'll we'll see how that plays out. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. I mean, we, you're a small listening community, but you are growing, and we do appreciate all of you that actually take the time to listen to our inane ramblings that every is. so often. <laughs> uh, give you a little glimpse into our world. We, you know, we do this shit for fun anyway, mm-hmm. even when the, the mics aren't on. So why not let you all take part as well? <laughs> but uh, thank you for listening, and we will see you in November. Happy Halloween. Bye.